Welcome to Mox on the Mic, your exclusive look into all things Chattanooga athletics. Here's your host, Chris Goforth. The Chattanooga volleyball schedule has been released. You can head over to GoMox.com and get all the details there. This week on Mox on the Mic, we'll talk a little bit of volleyball. Professional volleyball player Allie Davenport, a former Chattanooga standout. She's been playing overseas. We'll get an update on her career and uh, find out what she's been up to. Later on, volleyball coach Travis Fowler will uh, be with us as well. We'll chat a little bit about his volleyball mocks. As always, make sure you subscribe to Mocks on the Mic, and if you're on Apple Podcasts, we sure do appreciate your five-star ratings. Allie Davenport joined us this week from Sweden to talk about her time as a mock and her travels across the globe playing volleyball. Well, Allie, I appreciate you giving us uh, some time. I, I find the idea of professional volleyball overseas to be really fascinating, even more so than the soccer or the basketball or other sports that get played over there. And I think part of it is because I don't think most of us really know a whole lot about it. What can, how much did you know about pro volleyball overseas before you had the chance to go play? Honestly, probably nothing. Um, I hadn't, I didn't know anyone personally at the time who had gone and played overseas. Um, I think it was my junior year that an agency contacted coach Travis and asked if, uh, he had any rising seniors that he thought might want to go play pro overseas. So he actually uh, told me and Christy about it. And that was the first that I had heard anything about people going overseas to play. Um, I went into college thinking that these are going to be my last four years of volleyball. So it's kind of crazy how it all worked out. It's kind of a pleasant surprise. You get to play a little longer. Absolutely. Absolutely. Not mad at all. Now, when you left UTC, you went and got your master's degree, <laughs> but you didn't go the, what I would call a typical route where you attend college in the States. You got the chance to go to the, and correct me if I'm wrong here, the University of East London. Mm-hmm. Yes. Is that right? Yes. Okay. And that's where you got your master's. Now, a couple of things. One, let's start with volleyball. Tell us about that level of volleyball in the UK. Um, So I played for two teams in London. One of them was for my school, my university. And the level was kind of mixed all over the place. I mean, you had four, probably four teams that were way better than everyone else. Um, Because, I mean, you had teams like, uh, oh my gosh, it's jumping out of my head. It's like the the prestigious school in England. I don't, I can't believe I can't think of it, but um, yeah, you have teams that are really high academic. And so, you know, they're just playing volleyball as an extracurricular. And then you have schools like mine who recruited American girls who had played in college and who were ending their professional careers in Europe coming to play. So I think my team had like eight American girls on it and we were really, really good. Um, but you had other schools like Oxford. That's what I was trying to think of that were like, you know, they showed up 10 minutes before the game, were studying their books and just kind of went on the court to have fun. So, um, it was definitely a new experience in that regard. And then I also played for a city league team that was, um, not as competitive as that. And my team went undefeated for the whole season, which that was really, really cool. But yeah, it's very, it's very different um, than I would say playing college volleyball. The level, it's not as high, but it's just as fun. It's volleyball. Now, you got your master's degree there in media and communications, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. 
what was the studies like there compared to what you had at, at UTC? Is it a lot different over there in terms of the way they, they teach it or, or the way they view it? Um, yeah, I would say a lot of it was more like theoretical and not so much like hands-on, like, you know, this is how you interview someone, this is how you do this. Um, and also the way they had classes set up. So I think my semester was um, split into technically three, but the last part I was at home writing my dissertation. Um, so the first two semesters, I only had two classes the first semester and two classes the second semester. And there would be multiple days where I didn't have any class or like Monday I would go to class for like an hour and that would be it. So I would say the, the amount of actual time I spent in class was a lot less. Um, but I still feel like I got a lot out of it. So I think a lot of it's more on your own time. Like you have to read and, and go to the library and put in the hours there. Then from London, you ended up in Sweden, right? Yes, that's right. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit. First off, I want to know, is I've never been, is Sweden as gorgeous as, as I think it is? Yes, Sweden is it's so amazing. Um, honestly, I'm in uh, Lund, which is a city at the very southern tip of Sweden, and it's like just across the sea from Copenhagen. So um, it's crazy being in Lund because it's like one of their biggest cities but you drive 10 minutes that way and you're at the beach or you drive 10 minutes that way and you're like in this beautiful farm town. And it honestly looks like the classic windows screensaver, like green fields. And then you have like the, um, they have these things called wraps here and they turn bright yellow in the spring. So like everything is just yellow and bright and so pretty. Yeah. Sweden is beautiful. Tell me about the volleyball in Sweden. Um, so they have, uh, one pro league here it's called the elite series and the team that I signed for two years ago it was their first season in the elite series so there are a lot of growing pains there but um, I loved the the leadership role that I had on the team um, it was really cool for my first pro experience and I think a lot of people don't get that from their first pro experience so I kind of had to grow up fast you know I was a rookie but I wasn't a rookie on this team um, so yeah, my team, we struggled a bit in the league, but, um, as a whole, it, it was way, way better than playing in England. The level was a lot higher. So that was enjoyable for me. So you've played in Sweden. You spent some time in Vietnam. We'll get to that in a minute mm -hmm. in Switzerland. Um, is there a language barrier, especially when you're going from oftentimes for you, you play one season in one country and then couple of weeks later the season's in and you find yourself in Vietnam I mean is there is it is, is that tough yeah I mean, in, in Sweden there's really no language barrier I would say because Sweden prides itself in being a country that is really good at English I think they're the number two country in the world for English as a second language so everyone speaks English and everyone loves to speak English with you um, so that's nice um, in Vietnam uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was interesting. Um, I mainly just stayed with my American teammates. It wasn't like we really went out into the city or, you know, I wasn't on a team in, uh, in Vietnam. I was just like playing a tournament there. Um, I would say in Switzerland, there was a little bit more of a language barrier there because I was in a really small town in Switzerland. And so not many people spoke English. They all spoke French and expected me to speak French too. <laughs> So tell us a little bit about playing in Vietnam. That was part of a tournament that you went with your team to take part in. 
Um, how did that come about? Yeah, so um, my first year to play in Sweden, I didn't sign with an agent. I had a coach in England who helped me get the contract here. He had played professionally in Sweden, so we had some contacts over here. Um, but at the end of my season in Sweden, I decided uh, that I wanted to see what else, what, what else is out there, what I could find for myself. So I signed with an agent who was a part of an agency called Bring It. And um, he told me that they were taking a team of girls that the agency represents uh, to play a tournament in Vietnam. Um, and he asked me if I wanted to come. And I said yes. And maybe two weeks later, I was hopping on a like 13-hour flight to from Sweden to Vietnam. So um, it was really cool. Vietnam is like no other place I have ever been. It was during monsoon season. So it would go back and forth from like being like just torrential downpour to being sunny and so hot. I mean, the sunburns that I got there were <laughs> unreal. And then also playing in their gyms. We were in a huge arena because they love volleyball. Um, but I don't think it had any AC or like the AC really wasn't fit for an arena that was that big. And so it was so hot. Like I thought Georgia, Tennessee are humid. Like that is just a whole other level. And I mean, the first night there I was like cramping up and I just couldn't drink enough water, like Gatorade. It was, it was crazy. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about the fans. Uh, you mentioned the folks in Vietnam are crazy about their, their volleyball what have you found in, in the stops that you've made in Sweden, in Vietnam, in Switzerland? What have you found about volleyball fans there? Um, I would say in Sweden, you have like your diehard volleyball fans that love volleyball, but it's not, it's not a lot of them. Um, more people here like to go watch handball and basketball and, and soccer. Um, in Vietnam and the Asian countries, they love volleyball. They're all about volleyball. So like, like I said, we were in a huge arena and it was packed out for every single game that we played, which was really, really a fun atmosphere to play in. And then Switzerland is the same. They have their diehard teams and Switzerland is a little bit better league than Sweden. So they have, they definitely have more fans, but um, mainly like the better teams, you see more fans. So now you have most recently played in Switzerland. Yes, that's right. Mm -hmm. um, where are you now? I'm currently in Sweden. So my, my boyfriend lives in Sweden. He also plays volleyball in Italy. Um, and they have a huge fan base. Italians love volleyball. But um, both of our seasons were canceled because of uh, COVID-19. So we both kind of retreated here from Switzerland and Italy. Have you been, were you concerned at all about being able to get back, to get out of Switzerland and get back to Sweden? Yeah, I, it was actually a crazy story. Um, so to get to Lund, where I am now, I usually fly into Copenhagen because it's like a 30-minute train from Copenhagen to Lund. Um, so I had my season got canceled on like Wednesday, and I had planned to fly to Sweden on that Sunday. I was just going to pack myself and go. Um, but then my boyfriend's mom called me that night and was like, hey, Copenhagen is closing or Denmark is closing their borders tomorrow at noon. So like, if you don't fly in before noon tomorrow, you can't come in through there. So I was like, Oh my gosh. So I was going online and changing my flight to literally the next morning. So I had to pack up all my stuff in like an hour 
And I asked one of my teammates to drive me to the airport in Geneva, which is like an hour and a half from where I was in Switzerland. So she drove me there. I tried to sleep, but I couldn't. And then I was at the airport at like 4 a.m. trying to get onto an earlier flight that would get me there before 12. And the people were sharing me like, no, that they'll let you into Copenhagen to get to Sweden. Like they have to let you get where you need to go. And I was like, okay. So I spent like four hours in the airport there waiting for my flight. And then I had a stop in Paris. And when I was trying to get on the flight from Paris to Copenhagen, they were like, do you have a Swedish passport or a Danish passport? And I was like, no, but I have a train ticket like that tells you I'm going from Copenhagen to Sweden. And they're like, yeah, we can't let you on the flight. Like you're not Danish, you're not Swedish, like, sorry. So then I had to get rerouted through Stockholm, which is like a five hour train from Stockholm to Loon. So then I had to wait like six hours in the Paris airport. And then I flew into Stockholm. And then when I got to Stockholm, there were no more trains from Stockholm to Loon. So I had to spend the night in Stockholm. And then it was crazy. And I didn't sleep for like 32 hours. And it was the most stress I've ever been. And, you know, during a pandemic, an airport is not where you want to spend 12 hours, you know. I can imagine. Yeah. I can imagine. How much of your season did you guys actually get to play this year? Um, so we played the majority of it. We were in the middle of playoffs. We were actually in the second round of playoffs when they they just first postponed our games for like a week and a half. And then eventually they uh, they just canceled the whole league because everything was starting to shut down, you know, all, all over the place. And Switzerland's really close to Italy and Italy was getting hit really hard. So so yeah, we got to play most of it, but you know, playoffs is like the most exciting part of the season. So it was disappointing to see like not being able to see where we could have finished. You know, with no sports on, uh, or no, at least no American sports on TV, I've become a fan of Bundesliga, the uh, the German soccer Germany. league. Yeah, yeah. 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 So I, I get up. That's my Saturday morning routine, right? I get up and and I watch Bundesliga for uh, for a little while on TV. I have learned that there are varying levels of, there are multiple professional soccer leagues. Mm -hmm. There are various levels of what is uh, soccer league. So you, they go from, uh, you know, what we would consider to be major league soccer all the way, all the way down. Is that the same way with volleyball? Are there multiple leagues and and multiple teams of various levels? Yes, absolutely. So, most countries here have um, multiple multiple leagues that you can play in, but some only have like one or two pro leagues where they have professionals actually playing. So Sweden has one pro league, but I think they have like three or four adult competitive volleyball leagues. Um, in Switzerland, they have two pro leagues. And in France, where I'm playing next year, I think they have three pro leagues. So it just depends where you are. What's the status or the opportunities, I should say, for professional volleyball in the States? Do you anticipate there being a chance for you at some point in time to, to be able to come back to the States and play? Yeah, so I know that they've tried a couple times to make professional leagues in the U.S., and I think that every time they've kind of gone bankrupt, if I'm not correct, because they can't compete with what the European leagues are paying, like the, the top American players. Um, and also volleyball is still very much a growing sport in the U S so that I think they have to grow the fan base first. Um, but they have, they have actually formed like, a 
it's kind of interesting the way they set it up, but they've set up a women's pro league now that's going to start in the spring of 2021, I think. Um, and they're, they're starting it with like 42 players and each team has a captain and the teams can switch every week. And so it's kind of confusing, but I think they're trying to like, you know, dip a toe in, see how people like it and then try to grow it from there. So I don't know if I'll ever get to play in it, but it would be cool to play professionally in the U.S. What is the, what's the interest over there? Like over here, volleyball seems to be bigger. It's more of a female sport. Certainly at the collegiate level, that's the case. Mm-hmm. Over in Europe, uh, you mentioned your boyfriend plays in France. Is men's volleyball bigger? Is women's volleyball bigger? Which, which, is, more, which is more popular there? Um, I would say women's volleyball is still more popular. I think, um, I, it's the only sport I think that, uh, the highest played player is a female, um, which I think is awesome, but, um, yeah, but it's definitely big for guys here too. I mean, uh, Italy has like three, three or four pro men's leagues and France and Germany as well and, and Sweden. So yeah, it's definitely a lot. Men's volleyball is definitely bigger in Europe than it is in the U.S., but I would say women's volleyball is still bigger here. So where are you going next? Uh, next season I'll be in France. It's in a little town. Uh, it's actually really close to where I played in Switzerland last year. Um, if anyone from my city watches this, don't yell at me if I mispronounce it, but I think it's called Saint-Dé-de-Vosges. Saint so I got to work on it. I got to brush up on my French, but I'm really excited. So let's see, Sweden, Vietnam, Switzerland, now France. So I want to know, I want to know how many languages you can speak now. <laughs> um, well, I studied French in high school and a little bit in college. Um, and then I've been studying Swedish here this summer, but I don't speak any Viet- Vietnamese. <laughs> say something in, uh, say something in Swedish. Okay. Uh, hey, y'all get to Ali. That means, hey, my name is Ali. Very good. Very good. <laughs> well, what is, what is your plan short term now? Are, are you able to work out during this pandemic? Yeah. So Sweden's actually been um, very chill, I would say, for their uh, lockdown. I mean, Sweden is on like a kind of a scout's honor thing they trust the people to just follow directions and I would say for the most part that they do um so yeah I've still been able to go to gyms gyms are open and um even some volleyball teams here are practicing so I've been able to practice volleyball with them as well my wife loves Ikea have you been to (laughs) Ikea absolutely they have such good Swedish meatballs here That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, let's go back for a minute here before we finish up and talk about your time at at UTC. Your fifth all-time in points, uh, your top 10, I think, in several categories, statistically speaking. Uh, 2015 All-Southern Conference, that was kind of a magical season for Chattanooga Volleyball that year. Give us your favorite memory of that 2015 season. Oh, my gosh. It's hard to pick, but I would say – we played a game against ETSU away and we had, so we had two games that weekend, one against ETSU, one, one against Western Carolina, and we had to win to clinch the regular season title. And we went to fifth set to five sets with ETSU and we were down like, I think 
11 to one in the fifth set. And we came back and won like 22, 19, I think. So that is for sure my greatest memory from there, just because it was such like a dog fight and such a scrap and just showed so much of our grit and like just our mental toughness that we had worked on in so many springs prior to that year. So I think that's definitely my favorite memory. And then the next night we went to five again and then we clinched the regular season title. So that weekend I would say was the best. How many Americans do you run across? Uh, how many American volleyball players do you run across uh, in your travels abroad? Um, there's quite a bit of uh, American players playing in Europe. Um, I mean, not as not nearly as many that play in college, but um, I would say if you find yourself on an American or on teams with Americans, that you're lucky. Teams like to hire American players just because you know we have such a high level volleyball and the NCAA. And um, this last team I was on, I had two girls from the U.S. and then one girl from Canada who had played in the NCAA. So I felt really lucky to be on on a team like that. And then this team next year, I'll have an American setter and then an American right side that I actually got to play with in Vietnam last summer. So it's a it's a small volleyball world over here too. I was going to say, does that make it of uh, the transition a little bit easier when you're stepping into a country, a new country, to know that there's it? You know, they may not all be from uh, you know Sandy Creek, Georgia, but <laughs> you've at least got a couple of uh, couple of folks that probably have some similar backgrounds as you on that team yeah absolutely it's definitely a bonding thing you know we we all go through being homesick and you know trying to trying to facetime people with a six-hour time difference and all that and you spend a lot of time with uh your other pro teammates so it's nice when you have that that home you know the same home that you can relate on on that level Allie, this has been a lot of fun. Stay safe. And I hope uh, the next time we do this, I'd like to do this. I want you to carve out some time during the season and you come on with us and kind of update us on how your season's going in France. Yeah, absolutely. I would love that. That would be awesome. Let's get the latest on Chattanooga Volleyball from head coach Travis Filar. Has it really been 10 years for you? Have you really been here this long? Yeah, it uh, it still boggles my mind to think about that number. I, it's kind of the same number when my oldest child went from nine to ten, turned ten, and got double digits. I it kind of uh, made it real for me, I guess. But yes, it, going into going into my tenth season uh, here as the head coach at Chattanooga, and couldn't be more excited about uh, this upcoming fall and and uh, and the continued uh, progress and future of the program. What have you What have you uh, been up to during quarantine? Well, you know, this is uh, May, really, things slow down for us in May in the, in the world of college volleyball. So now it's more normal as far as being home and being around a lot more, um, obviously still working from home. But prior to, you know, March and April, it's been a lot of unexpected uh, time with the family, which has been, you know, uh, awesome. Uh, someone like myself who, um, you know, has a family, it's it's been great to be around a little bit more and, and to be home for the weekends, even though we haven't been able to do, you know, some of the normal stuff we're used to typically March, April, you know, we're recruiting, we're training our team and obviously haven't been doing that. So uh, working from home, really trying to stay as connected with our, uh, our team um, as possible uh, working really hard from a recruiting standpoint uh, with, for our um, uh, 2021 recruiting class that's kept us uh, you know, on, uh, on our toes as far as having those 
those calls and, and correspondence um, and, and thankful for technology so that we have been able to do, you know, everything and, and keep for the most part um, up to speed when it comes to work. Uh, but, but like I said, just uh, again, enjoying a lot of time with the family and um, but, but definitely ready to, to get back to some normal here pretty soon, hopefully. You mentioned uh, about being in contact with your team. How often have you guys been in contact during this? Well, you know, right away, once, uh, once we didn't come back from spring break uh, and, and, and the academic semester went online, you know, we, we would have uh, definitely once a week and at times twice a week meetings. Um, at first, it was just to really see them and to really touch base with them to make sure that they and their families were doing well. Uh, and, then it, and then it progressed to, you know, hey, how can we get better as a, as a program during this time of of being separated and, and kind of being isolated and having to do our own thing from home. And so we, we had to try to get a little bit creative, whether it was, um, you know, going over some team building things, whether it was talking volleyball and, and uh, uh, talking, you know, just uh, kind of trying to, to continue to build on what we had already done in the gym uh, as far as uh, continuing to implement and, and grow and improve our, our systems of training uh, and, and then we really wanted to try to kind of stick with our normal, I would say, calendar, if you will, in that once classes finished and once, um, once finals finished, we had, um, you know, kind of end of season individual meetings with all of our uh, current student athletes. Uh, we, we also did that kind of with our incoming freshman class once they graduated from high school, um, which has been happening recently. We've started to, to now meet with them as well. Um, but then also for a good bit of the month of May, we, we wanted to kind of act as, as we normally do. And that is kind of give them some time away, um, and to not have to have that, um, um, you know, uh, consistent meetings or communication. We, we kept in touch with them, um, in other ways, but didn't have as many of the zoom meetings. Um, and now that we're back in June, we, we've started to pick that back up again, usually once um, to twice a week. Um, and then some weeks will, those meetings will be a little bit longer just because we've got a lot to discuss and, and a lot we're trying to get done and improve on, uh, you know, virtually from, from our separate spots. Let's talk about your recruiting class. You mentioned the class that's coming in. It's ranked in the top 100 by prepvolleyball.com. It's believed to be the highest ranked uh, incoming class in school history. Uh, tell us about it. Yeah, I, I, and it's, you know, obviously being here now going into my 10th year, it, it's certainly, um, I, I, I would say, the, the most well-decorated um, and probably, um, you know, just strongest class. Uh, from top to bottom, we've covered every position. We've really addressed, I think, our biggest needs coming into 2020 with this class, and we've also created a lot of depth at, at some very important positions in our gym. Um, and, um, and, and I would be like, like you said, hard pressed to think that there would probably be a, um, a higher ranked or, or more decorated class. And maybe even in the history of the program, they, they're all great human beings to start out with. And, and that's big for us. We're, we're always going to recruit high character, uh, student athletes. Um, they believe in academics first and, and being an athlete second, uh, they come from good families and I would say one of the things that they all have in common as a class is they've all individually won at a very high level. They're used to winning. 
Um, they're used to competing at a high level within their high school programs, but also their, their club programs as well. And so where we are right now in that we've come off a couple frustrating and I would say disappointing seasons when it comes to wins and losses, we really feel like this group knows that winning feeling and, and is going to help continue to, um, I would say, elevate that within our gym um, and, and, um, and I think help get our program back to those winning ways uh, that we experienced in 2015 and 16. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're all athletic. We, we've got great um, athletes at the positions that we are bringing in. Um, and I, I think that, you know, really all six of them individually, I think will compete to impact us on the court, you know, this upcoming fall season right out of the gates and, and also for the remainders of their careers. You take this group and you pair them with what you already have coming back. What are your expectations for the upcoming season? Yeah, I'm, I'm excited, excited that you asked that because that, that's what I think uh, is part of what keeps us going as, as a program, as a coaching staff right now, is that there is, I think, a lot of excitement and a lot of high expectations for this upcoming fall season, regardless of what it looks like. Obviously, there's a lot of uncertainty of preseason tournaments and conference play and whatnot um, across the country and across the NCAA. But what we feel like we have well, with these six incoming kids combined with our 11 returners, I truly believe that this is the most talented and deepest roster we've ever had uh, in my 10 years here at Chattanooga. Uh, I think that we've got depth in every position. Uh, and I think that we've got as much, when you just look from player to player, talent to talent, I think we've got as much talent uh, as anyone in the in the conference um, for, for next, uh, for next year. Uh, and as you know, you've been around athletics enough. Talent's not going to, not going to just solely do it for you. You've got to have a strong team. You've got to have a together team. And that's really what we're trying to take advantage of this time. Um, you know, being separated with these zoom calls, with these meetings to try to get this group as tight knit as possible by being, uh, you know, away from each other so that when we do get back together, hopefully August, we can hit the ground running and take advantage of what we all feel like is, is going to be a very talented roster and, and can be a very special year in which the, the hope is, the expectation is that we'll be uh, you know, back to being a team to beat in the Southern Conference and a team that is competing for that conference championship. Hey, I want to give you a second to brag here. 3.18 GPA in the spring. You guys are definitely getting it done in the classroom. So uh, I, we, we can't do this and me not give you the chance to brag a little bit on what your, uh, what your ladies are doing in the classroom. Oh, thank you. Uh, and yes, I, you know, in, in all of these times and, and all of the adversity that our, that our kids have had to go through with, you know, going off for spring break with the expectation to come back. And then all of a sudden, no, you've got to stay at home for another week. And then we've got to move classes and, and the academic semester to online for them as a group individually and collectively to, to still be strong enough and driven enough to rise above all of that. I think stress and adversity that everybody is feeling and, and has been feeling for a while and to have that type of academic semester. Uh, I, I couldn't be more, proud of them, um, you know, just as proud as I've been in, in other 
moments of success, you know, on the volleyball court. They're get, they are, you're right, they're getting it done in the classroom. Uh, 3.8 team GPA. Uh, I think that, that breaks the, the program mark of, of highest uh, semester GPA in, in the history of the program. And, and to do it under such crazy circumstances, it makes me even more uh, proud of, of them and the work they put in. We're going to talk with Allie Davenport in this podcast, too. And I'll, I'll ask you specifically about Allie in just a minute. But we often hear about players going overseas and playing professionally in other sports, especially especially basketball. We hear a lot about it there. Not so much with volleyball. What can you tell us about professional volleyball overseas? Yeah, uh, Allie has been uh, the first individual from from our program since I've been at Chattanooga to to go and do that. Uh, and uh, and I've had some other student athletes uh, at some of my other coaching stops as an assistant coach that have gone on to do that. And what I've always told them is, as as long as their body says, "Hey, I can keep doing this," why not take advantage of going somewhere? Uh, traveling internationally, go somewhere, see a different part of the world, get paid to play a game that you love and can do it at a high level. And, and that's what I, I encouraged Allie and have encouraged others. As long as those you know, shoulders and knees are, are telling you that you can keep training at a high level, do it for as long as you can. Get a paycheck playing the sport that you love and have been playing for you know, um, so long. Uh, the opportunities in volleyball are, are really numerous. Uh, you know, some some areas of the of the world are are higher level than others. Um, you know, some of the best are, are uh, professional leagues are definitely in Europe, uh, but there's options everywhere. Um, and the great thing, and I think hopefully exciting for the future, and my hope is that it still continues. Uh, obviously, it might change a little bit before everything happened with the the pandemic, but uh, the United States was getting ready to. Um, try again. They've done it in the past and it hasn't gone great, but they are trying again to instill and create a professional league here in the U.S. Uh, for volleyball. And, and so um, my hope is that that still um, becomes an option. And, and as, as I said, there are options uh, in many places. And I think the, the opportunity to go and play professionally uh, is something that I think a number of our student athletes at Chattanooga currently and in the future will, will have those same opportunities. And I hope that they follow Allie's path to, to trying it and, and seeing what happens. What is it about Allie that separates her from others that allows her to be able to compete at that level? You know, uh, Allie, from, from the moment I first saw her play as a sophomore in high school uh, to going through that recruiting process to then having her at Chattanooga, uh, she's an outside hitter and, and there's two types of outside hitters. There's a lot of outside hitters that, um, you know, are, are more of a ball control outside hitter. Um, they're maybe just w as well known for their passing and defending as they are, they're attacking and they have an all around game. And, and Allie came in more of a, a, an attacker. And, and what was great about her career is that she developed into that six rotation outside hitter, somebody that you want to keep on the floor, no matter what, all the way around, she can attack from the front row and back row. She can score points from the front row and back row, and then also create a lot of stability as a passer and as a defender and as a blocker. And that's what was was I think great to see Allie's game develop. Um, her first two, she started for us all four years. Um, her first two years, she was 
primarily a front row outside hitter um, and was a go-to hitter. I mean, from day one as a freshman, she started, and she's the type of outside hitter I think that has given why she's had this opportunity to play professionally now for a number of years is everybody in the gym knows she's a dominant hitter. And even though everybody knows she's a dominant hitter, she still wants the ball. And when she does get the ball, she's still going to put it away and, and score points for you. So that's been a big part of, I think, her um, ability to play professionally and beyond. Uh, she's got, um, you know, very, I think, rare athleticism. As some would say in the professional world, maybe a little bit of an undersized outside hitter at only about 5'11", 6 feet. Because um, at that level, most, most pins, most pin players are, Six two, six three, and and beyond. Allie's got some some rare athletic ability where she gets off the ground quick. She's powerful in the air. She's got a hammer of an arm, uh, and and like I said, she's developed her game to really be able to be on the court all the time. Uh, and you know um, that was what was neat. Her junior year and then her senior year, becoming that six rotation player that I think now has given her those opportunities and those looks. Um, because in international volleyball and in professional volleyball, the expectation is if you're an outside hitter, you're not getting subbed out because they have less subs than us. So you're expected to be on the court all the time. And, and that shows the hard work that she's, that she's really put into her game. Uh, and that's been exciting to see um, at Chattanooga, uh, but also now beyond as a professional. I've asked you this before, but I'm interested now, 10 years into things, here at UTC, how you how you view this? Your dad coached women's basketball at Davidson. You went to Furman. Now you're coaching at Chattanooga. There may not be anybody that is more qualified to talk about the Southern Conference than than you are. When you look at the conference as a whole, not even necessarily about basketball or volleyball, just the conference as a whole. How different is the Southern Conference now compared to the one that you grew up in? Yeah, I would say, um, you know, and, and some people might disagree with me because of the schools and the programs that we've lost over the years, but, but I would say that across the board in all sports, uh, and, and I would say, especially in Olympic sports, it is probably as strong as it's ever been uh, when it comes to, you know, day in and day out in volleyball, and I think in many sports, um, uh, in, in men's, women's basketball, in football, but also in a lot of the Olympic sports, you've got to come ready to play and compete night in and night out. There are no, uh, there are no easy games or matches. There are no, um, you know, coming in at 75% and expecting to win as I think at times it has been uh, in our league. So uh, I also think um, the quality of coaching uh, in, in our sport specifically is what I can talk to the most in volleyball, the quality of, of high level coaching that's happening in our league um, in, in our sport in volleyball is, is really exciting to be a part of. Uh, we, we've got a lot of coaches that have a lot of years, a lot of experience. We have coaching staffs that have a lot of experience. Uh, there's been consistency in, in assistant coaches, you know, staying longer as well, which I think has also elevated the sport of volleyball within the Southern Conference. Um, and, and just overall, too, being around it, as you said, for so long. I just, I love this level. I love I love being, um, you know, kind of sometimes the, the, the David versus the Goliath. I, I love the chip on the shoulder of being that mid-major uh, Division I conference that uh, is not afraid to go out and, and um, you know, and, and lace them up against uh, the best of the best and, and hold our own as a league. 
And, uh, and I, I think you can see that across the board in, in all of our sports in the league. We've had Darren and Juliana on with us before to talk about beach volleyball. Tell us about Scott Carter and what he has brought to your program as an assistant. Yeah, he's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's really uh, incredible. Sometimes I, and I've even told him this uh, as we've, you know, talked a lot more, you know, on, on the phone than just normally popping in and out of each other's offices and in the arena. But um, I still sometimes have to pinch myself a little bit to realize that he's actually with our program and, and, and coaching uh, as part of our staff because of his experience level and his, and his expertise. Uh, You know, he's somebody that uh, we worked together at university of Kentucky uh, and, and really at that time I was a volunteer at Kentucky. He was the recruiting coordinator and assistant coach at Kentucky. And for those two years we were together kind of took me under, uh, under his wing and, and showed me the ropes. I mean, I was a, I was a 24 year old, um, had just coached at Furman for two years as my kind of first full-time job, um, moved to Kentucky. My wife was in physical therapy school there. So I just wanted to continue to learn and get better was fortunate enough to become a volunteer assistant there. And Scott really just kind of showed me the ropes, uh, taught me how to work, taught me how to grind um, when it came to trying to outwork people um, in the gym, outside the gym, on the recruiting trail. He taught me a lot. And, uh, and, and that forged a, a really, I think, special relationship and friendship. Uh, then we went our separate ways. He went off to Kent State. I went to University of Memphis, and we stayed in touch. Uh, we would see each other on the road recruiting. And most of our conversations, those first probably four or five years after Kentucky was more about the job and the profession and recruiting and training. And then the cool thing is we, we both started our families around the same time. We, we had our first children around the same time. And then those conversations shifted when we would see each other on the road recruiting and it would talk about life and about family. And, um, and, and our, I would say our relationship changed from more colleague to friend. And so for me to be able to hire a friend um, that doesn't happen a lot of times in, in college athletics. And now that he's a part of, of what we're doing, he left the head coaching position in Ohio to be a part of what we're doing because he believed in our program so much, the culture of Chattanooga volleyball. And, and he also, um, you know, believed in, in me and, and my ability as a head coach. And for him, for somebody that has 30 years of coaching experience at the collegiate level to really um, be able to to move his family and be willing to do that. I'm just so appreciative. Um, we really started to see, I think the the uh, the fruits of his labor in the gym because he is an incredible trainer in the gym when it comes to you know technically and X's and O's teaching in the gym. And then we've also been able to, as he's uh, now a year into the job almost as our recruiting coordinator, we've really been able to see some awesome fruits of that labor from a recruiting front as well. So he's, um, he's a character. He, uh, our kids, I, I think, uh, he's, he's from New York. So he's got a little bit of roughness to him, uh, as far as, uh, you know, growing up in, uh, in upstate New York for, for a lot of his life, but, uh, he's loving the Southern life for sure. He, he and his family love it, uh, here in Chattanooga. And he's been an incredible addition to our staff. Um, our kids now know what he's about and, and have really been excited to, to, to see the things that he's tried to implement from a training standpoint. Um, and they're starting to see those, those improvements as well. So uh, we're, we're really excited uh, to have him on staff. He's been a, 
like I said, have been a great addition to, to our coaching staff, but also to the, to the culture of our program. I know you've been trying to grow this program and have grown this program since you took over. What's the next step now for Chattanooga Volleyball? What's next? That's a great question. And, and you know, um, I, I'm smart enough and understand enough to know and been around this now going into my 20th year of Division One college volleyball that we're not going to win a national championship at Chattanooga. And that's going to be for the Penn States and the Nebraskas and the Texas of the world. And in our sport, it's even harder to crack that upper echelon um, and, and so what I have to decide on is what are, what is our national championship? Um, just because the reality of the situation, there's about 10 teams in the country that can win the national championship in volleyball in division one. Um, and so what is our, our national championship? Um, at first it was to win a conference championship and we did that in 2015. And now we've got a new set of goals. And I think where my vision is taking us on what that next per se national championship is, is to, is to work tirelessly uh, with great effort and great energy um, to become the premier volleyball program in the Southern Conference. So year in and year out, we, we've had a stretch of, of doing that. And then we've, I, I would say, have not done that. And, and um, that's the, the honest uh, truth. Um, to get back there, um, we feel like we're, we're, we're there and, and we're, we're ready to do that. Um, and, and to be that team year in and year out in the Southern Conference that is competing for that conference championship. And then the second piece um, of, of what's next and, and what that dream is, is to qualify and to make it to the NCAA tournament. Uh, we haven't done that as a program uh, since 1998. Uh, that's, that's, that's a long time ago. And so for us, that is also part of that next part of that per se national championship um, and, and where Chattanooga Volleyball is, is hoping to get to soon um, uh, in the near future. Coach, great to visit with you. Appreciate the time and uh, look forward to getting a chance to catch up again. Great. Thank you so much, Chris. Really appreciate it. Thanks to Travis and Allie for giving us some time this week and appreciate Corey Balanzi helping us in uh, with some preparation for today's podcast as well. Join us again next week for more here on Mox on the Mic. We'll continue to do our best during this pandemic to keep you updated on what's happening in and around UTC athletics. For our producer, Tate Johnson, I'm Chris Goforth saying so long, everybody, and go Mox. Thanks for listening to Mox on the Mic. Please remember to rate, subscribe, and review, and we'll see you again soon.